Hey everybody, this is Pastor Court Chavis. Thank you so much for checking us out today at Truth Chapel's podcast. If this word has blessed your spirit or encouraged you, take a moment and leave us a quick review. Also, check us out at truth-chapel.com or any of our social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. God bless, and I pray you enjoy. 2 Samuel chapter 8. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in worship. Amen. All of our three to five-year-olds can be dismissed right now. They can exit out this back door to the right here, and our staff will meet uh, them there. If you would like to take your child there, they will meet you and tell you exactly where you need to go. 2 Samuel chapter 8. I miss my pastor. I wish he was here today. But I love him, and uh, I'm going to try to bring the word to you today as best as I can. 2 Samuel chapter 8. And it says this, And after this came to pass, that David smote the Philistines and subdued them. And David took Methagamah, that was one of the Moabites' biggest, largest towns. And he took that town out of the hand of the Philistines. And then he smote Moab. And the Bible says this, it says he measured them with a line. He cast it down to the ground, even with two lines measuring he to put to death with one full line to keep alive. And so the Moabites became David's servants and brought gifts. About a year ago, I, I, there was a message I preached about seven, eight years ago at a camp. And, and about a year ago, I felt like I was going to bring it to the church, actually in our old building. And I believe I preached a little bit in the first service and the second service Um, I did not speak that word, and I felt that word today. And so today, uh, by the help of the Lord, I want to preach that word. When we talk about David's ministry, how many love to read about David? When we talk about David's ministry, we mainly talk about how he's a worshiper, how he praised God through his crisis, everything that was going on in his life. He just praised God through that. When all odds were against him, when he was outnumbered, outgunned, outmanned, we understand that God gave David the victory. Amen. And we read about these stories and we like to talk about how his worship was so powerful. And there's some great messages preached from that. But David possessed a discerning quality about his life and his ministry. And it is no doubt that quality that saved him and his family many times. David had to discern what would live and what would die in his life. And I believe that's the discerning quality that we need here today. And so just for the next couple minutes, I would like to preach to you a sermon that I've titled Worth Fighting For. Worth Fighting For. If you would just raise your hands, Lord, I pray that in the next little bit through this message, God, that you would speak to your people, God. I pray that you would challenge us, God. I pray that before we would leave this house, we could say that we met with you and we've heard your voice. And God, we'll be careful to give you all the praise, you all the glory, and you all the honor. And we thank you for it today. Would you just put your hands together and thank God for what he's about to do?
Amen. You can be seated. In the book of Samuel, we find David is in a battle with the enemies of God. And he's on a mission to kill those that are against God's people. And we see that he defeats the Philistines and then he faces a more deceitful group called the Moabites. And they were a nation that was conceived in sin. They, they were a nation that Israel was very well acquainted with. They were a vicious enemy. It was Moab who refused Israel the passage of land after they came out of Egypt. It was Moab who hired Balaam to curse God's people. Moab was the people that had no regard for the leaders of Israel. They, they were a problem to Moses. They were a problem to Joshua. They were a problem to Ehud, Jephthah, Solomon, Jehoshaphat, Elijah, and Elisha. They were a brutal enemy of Israel. And David decided he was going to fight these people. And the Bible says that God gave him victory over Moab. But have you ever noticed that when you have a victory in your life, uh, it seems after the victory we we tend to have our greatest struggle has that ever happened before and you know David knew this to be true he's like I had one victory but I I need to cut this right now I I I do not want to live with the same devil that we've been dealing with uh, time and time again and so David knew that to be true and so David decided he was going to do something that no other leader had done the Bible says that he marched the men out uh, and he put them in a line uh, and he decided uh, he measured is what the Bible says uh, or he discerned uh, or he decided what should live and who should die And it was their approach to the king that would be the factor on if they would live or if they would die. I can see in my mind David marching them out. And if they looked like or if they even resembled that they were going to do something that would revolt against Israel. I can see David said you will be put to death. But if they were somebody that looked like they would fall in line, David would allow them to live. And that's what made David great. I understand he was a worshiper. I understand that we like to talk about how he danced before the Lord. But David came to a point in his life when he decided that he did not want to live with the same old devils that's been in their lives for years. We should pray in this hour that God would show us the things in our lives. And if they need to live, we need to do everything we got and Keep them alive in our life. But if it needs to die, you need to kill it. Kill it. Kill it. You've got to discern what should live and what should die in your life. If you believe that, would you just put your hands together? You see, that's what brought down King Saul. He lost his anointing because he could not figure out what needed to live and what needed to die. Instead of killing the giant himself, he sent somebody else to try to kill the giant. Instead of killing Agag, who was a Amalekite, he killed Ahimelech, who was a priest. Instead of killing those of the flesh, he killed those of the spirit. Yeah, that's real good right there. Instead of killing the enemies of God, we see that his own family was brought to death. This man just could not figure it out. 
what needed to live uh, and what need I have a burden here today uh, and I hope you'll listen uh, and I hope you'll back this up uh, but we need some parents in this house uh, that can decipher what needs to live in your home uh, and what needs to die in your home Your family is dependent on you, mom. Your family is dependent on you, dad. But I'm wondering if there's some people that will say, I know what needs to live and what needs to die. Oh, man. He just couldn't figure it out. Brought death to his family. He just could not figure it out. I pray that we would understand today the importance of trying to figure out what needs to live and what needs to die in our lives. There was a story of a man that got into a plane crash. And the story goes that he was stuck in the plane for quite some time. He was there stuck and it took uh, the responders, the emergency team, it took them many, many hours to come and and, 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 and and come to help him and, and to get him out. And he survived. It was hours and hours in the plane all by himself. And a reporter came up and he asked him, he said, how did you survive for so long? How did you do it? How did you do it? How, how, how did you not die? And he said this. He said, you know what? He said, dying... Uh, uh, he, he said, it, it, the reporter said, it must have been hard not to die. And he made this statement. He said, dying would have been easy. He said, but living is where the fight is. I need to let you know something here, Truth Chapel. It's easy to die. I expected a little bit better response. I said, it's easy to die. It's easy to give up. It's easy to let the church die. It's easy to let your worship die. It's easy to let your faith die. All you got to do is hang around a couple negative people and uh, your faith will be gone. Uh, But I'm here to tell you my faith uh, is worth fighting for. Uh, My consecration to God uh, is worth fighting for. You see, it's easy to let your consecration die. It's easy to let your prayer life die. All you got to do is just get a little busy and say, well, maybe I'll do it tomorrow. It's really easy to let it die. It's easy to let your anointing die, young person. It's easy to die, church, but it's much harder to live because that is where the fight is. You see, you got to fight to keep your worship alive. Come on now, you got to fight. You know, all you got to do is sit around somebody that doesn't want to worship and your worship can die real quickly. But I'm here to tell you this preacher's not going to let his worship die. This preacher's not going to let his worship die because my God is worth my worship and I will lift my voice. It's worth dying for. Oh my I'm wondering, is there anybody in the house ready to fight? (laughs) Is there anybody in the house uh, ready to fight? You see, when I was uh, in uh, kindergarten, actually first grade, I'm about to tell on myself, all the young people are about to hear a story they never heard. So let me tell on myself, I had a a fifth grader that constantly bullied little John. (laughs) First grade, everybody go, aww. It was bad enough that I had red hair. I was different than everybody else. But this dude, 
this dude just picked me out. And he was, he, I'm just going to say, his name was Adam Carm, Carmile. That was his name. I'm 34 years old. I still remember his name. Oh, Adam. Adam, if you're watching it. Yeah. Oh, Adam decided he was going to constantly pick on John. And there he did. He wouldn't let me get on the bus sometimes. He, he would see me in the hallway and... And he would, he would do his thing. And he was, as I said, he was abnormally big. He had a big old head. Huge head. He was tall. He, he didn't even grow into his body yet. I mean, his, his, his head was really big. But I was little John. I was little Johnny here. And I'm like, man, this dude will not let me alone. And, and finally, one day, I, I went to school one day. And I did talk to my dad. And I said, man, Adam won't leave me alone. We're a small community and everybody knew who Adam was. And my dad said, you know, John, sometimes you just got to fight. <laughs> sometimes you just got to find it in you, buddy. And listen, you just got to fight. He said, now, if you ever start a fight, he said, when you come home, I promise you, you won't be sitting for a while. But he said, if somebody else starts the fight, he said, you know, maybe, maybe you need to fight a little bit. Maybe you need to let them know who you are. And so one day I went to school and I walked into the... I went to go into the bus and Adam was there, big old tall Adam. And there I was. I was just looking up at him. And I was like, oh, man, here it goes. And he started to pick on me. And finally, I just, something came. I, I don't even know what came across me. But I, 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 I squeezed my fist. And I, I jumped as high as I could. And I punched Adam Carmichael right in the middle of the nose. And his glasses shattered. And old big bad Adam just started bawling. Just started bawling. He sat down and I went back. And if I could have, if I could have done the, what's that UFC fighter's name? What is his name? Huh? Yeah, Conor McGregor. If I could have done that, uh, I would have been walking down that, that, that bus. It's like, come on now. Who's ready to fight now? I got you. You ready? You ready? But no, I, I went home and my grandmother came out. It was a small community. She came out with a paddle. Adam's mom already called grandma and she just, you know, she was coming at me. And, you know, John, why did you do that? And she was just yelling at me. And as a six-year-old little kid, I said, Grandma, it was worth fighting for. I got tired of being bullied. I had a little dignity that I had to fight for. And even as a 34-year-old, I'm here to tell you, it was still worth it. I got kicked off the bus and all that stuff happened. But there had to be something come down inside of you sometimes and, and say, you know what? I, I'm just going to fight for this now. I'm going to fight for my prayer life because it's got to live. I'm going to fight for my anointing because it's got to live. I'm going to fight for my children because it's got to live. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. I'm wondering if there's somebody in the house that will pull out that sword and say, I'm going to do what I got to do. It's worth fighting for. Yeah. You see, if the children's ministry is going to work, we're going to have to fight for it. I'm just here to tell you, if the youth group's going to grow, you hear me, youth group, you're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to fight for it. If your marriage is going to make it, you better get ready and say, I'm going to fight for it because it's worth fighting for. Yeah, it's worth it. You see, there's always one in the crowd you're probably thinking, Pull up your glasses. Now, John, we don't believe in fighting. The Bible talks about love. and That's my best nerd voice I can come up with. I'm trying here. 
are you telling my kids they can fight? No, I'm just saying there's some things worth fighting for. And, and, and if you don't believe me, let's just go to the Bible. Matthew 11, chapter 12 says, And from the days of John the Baptist until, the, until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violence take it by force. Sometimes you just have to bow up and fight for some things. Some things just don't fall into your lap. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus said this, Luke chapter 22 and 36. He looked at his disciples, the guys that were following him. If you could put that up, Luke chapter 22 and verse 36. I want you to make sure it is in the word. And it said this, he said he told his disciples, he said, sell your coat and buy a sword. That came from Jesus. He said, sell that coat and buy a sword. Why? Because there are some times in your life you're going to have to fight. There's some times you got to get that sword out and fight. Yeah. Judges chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, it said this. I need you to get this part. Uh, It said, now these are the nations which the Lord left to prove Israel by them. Uh, Even as many of Israel had not known. look Look at your neighbor and say, they had not known. They had not known all the wars of Canaan. Only the generations of the children of Israel might know to teach them war. In other words, I need you to hear me. In other words, God allows some things in your life to teach you how to fight. Some of you are saying, I don't understand why God allowed this to happen in my life. God is saying, you know what? I need to teach my children how to fight because there's going to be a time in their life. If they don't pull out the sword, some things will not live in their life. You got to fight. You see, that's why God doesn't always fix all your problems right away. I'm going to say that again. That's why God doesn't fix all your problems right away. That's why God allows some things undone in your life. Because without some things in your life, you would not know how to fight. And some of you are praying, God, why didn't you change it? God, why didn't you help me here? And God is saying, I need you to fight for some things. You want me just to hand you everything. But I can't just put everything in your lap, Israel. I just can't give you every battle. But you're going to have to grab a sword every once in a while and say my worship's gonna live my children will be in the church my marriage will be okay my child will be saved my body will be healed why because I'm ready to fight I'm ready to fight because some things are worth fighting for you see I've watched Prayer and prayer intercessors in my life be an intercessor, but then stop interceding because they didn't know how to fight. Interceding when everything's going good, but when things start to turn for the bad. They're nowhere to be found. I've seen people that would run up and down. I even went to Bible college, and there were some kids. They would be overly just like, man, every time the first song started, they were jumping up and down. And I would look at them, and sometimes I would be convicted. And I'd say, man, I wish I was like that. I wish I wish, I need to bring up my worship. But today they're no longer in the church. Why? Because they weren't fighting for their worship. It was just when everything was going good, when everything in life was cheesy, 
Everything in life was just gravy. But I'm here to tell you, if you want some things to live in your life, if you want some things to not die in your life, you're going to have to fight for them. You're going to have to show up when you don't feel like showing up. You're going to have to come to prayer when you don't feel like coming to prayer. You're going to have to come to the altar when you don't feel like coming to the altar. Why? Because my walk with God is worth fighting for. It's worth fighting for. So I propose to you today that your faith cannot die. I said, I propose to you today that your faith cannot die. Jude said, earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. For without faith, it is impossible to please him. The apostle Paul said, we need to fight the good fight of faith. Because if you want your faith to live in your life, you're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to get that sword out and fight for your faith. And I'm here to tell you, if your faith is going to live and your faith is something you're going to fight for, you're going to have to cut away some relationships that are in your life. You just can't let everybody be in your corner. You just can't let every negative Nancy, come on now, every negative Karen, can I say it? Every negative Keith, is that another one? You just can't let all those people be in your life. You're going to have to cut off some things. But if you're willing to fight for it, my faith, if you're willing to fight for your faith, the Bible says if you can have faith the size of a mustard seed, if you're willing to fight for it, the miraculous will happen. If you're willing to fight for it. Yeah, for your faith has got to live. Some of you in this room have been praying for God to heal you. You've been praying that God would, 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 would bring a lost loved one into the house of God. And yet you have not received the healing. Yet you have not seen them come into the house of God. I'm here to tell you, don't you let your faith die. Maybe God is teaching you something. Maybe God is teaching you how to fight. But I'm here to tell you, don't let your faith die. I need somebody to hear me today. There's somebody walked into this room and said, I'm done. I'm giving up. This is my last service. Ma'am, I don't know where you are, but you better fight for your faith. You better fight for your family. You better fight for your marriage. You better fight for your anointing. Oh, my God. I'm here to tell you, your prayer cannot die. Look at your neighbor and say, I propose to you today that your prayer cannot die. Your prayer has got to live. My communication with God is the most important thing that I got. And so if I got to turn off Netflix, Netflix is being turned off. If I got to shut down Facebook, then Facebook is being shut off. Why? Because I've got to fight for my prayer life. I've got something to tell you today. I don't have time to pray. Yeah, I figured it would go over like that. I don't have time to pray. These last two weeks, Brother Brian, I've been at youth camp. In between there, I've been working on youth retreat. And I've just been getting a little bit of sleep here and there. I talked to Pastor yesterday. He said, hey, you getting rested up? I'm like, yeah, I'm doing what I can do. I'm not complaining. I'm just telling you, I don't have time to pray. But Brother Jamie, I don't pray because I got time to pray. I pray because prayer's got to live in my life. And I've got to talk to God. And so though I may not have time, I fight for my time 
Because prayer has got to live in the house of God. Oh, I wish some parent would say, you know what? Prayer time in my house because I'm going to fight for my children. Fight for my marriage. If you believe that, would you just put your hands together and magnify them right now. Glorify them right now. Thank you, Sister Nadia, for fighting for your family. She gets out in the aisle and runs and say, I'm fighting. I want my children to see. I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight. You see, I see some of you fighting for things that don't even matter. I've seen parents fight so hard to get their kid on the captain of the chess team. I've seen it. I've seen parents tell me, hey, I'm sorry, but little Johnny can't come because, you know, he, he, he decided that he was going to join the chess team. And, and the chess team's got practice every night. I only got your kid one night a week, but the chess team gets them every night. And somehow on one of my nights, you're going to let the chess team take over but I need a parent in this house that will say, no, boy, you're going to the house of God. I don't care if you don't want to go because we've got to fight, 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 fight. Oh, my God. The world's fighting for your kids. The world wants your children. But I'm going to fight harder. I'm buying a sword. I'm getting rid of the coat because I'm going to fight. Young person, if your anointing is going to stay in your life, it's because you fought for it. And I'm here to tell you the devil's going to put snares and things in your life. And you're going to have to pull out a sword and say, absolutely not. Your parents can't always fight for you. But you got to buy your own sword and say, my anointing is what it is. I'm going to fight for it. I'm going to be in the house of God. Hallelujah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. There was an 80-year-old man. He was dying, grasping for his heir. The story goes that his daughter realized that he wasn't breathing. And she ran to his side. And she checked for a pulse and realized, my daddy is not breathing. Something came over her, and she began to pound on her daddy's chest. And she started to scream, breathe, daddy, breathe, breathe, daddy, breathe. And on the last hit, he coughed up something, and he came back to himself. You know, there are some times in the church that we need some people to help resuscitate the church. And you know what? I'm going to try that today. I say, youth department, breathe. I say, children, breathe.
breathe. Choir members, breathe. If you hear this preacher today, I need the church to breathe. And if you still got breath in your lungs, then get that sword out. Fight, 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 because it's worth fighting for. It's worth fighting for. My only goal is to get some parent to say, I'm going to fight. My goal is to get a young person that says, I had a great time at youth camp, but I'm coming to the altar fighting because the devil is showing up tomorrow. And if I got a sword, if I got a sword in my hand, I can fight. I can fight. Hallelujah. In the book of Esther, I'm, I'm closing. Just give me just a couple more minutes. Can I just have five more minutes? The book of Esther. It's a great book. You should read it. There's Esther. She could have had her own kingdom. Right? How many's read the book of Esther? Come on. Hey, if you've never read the Bible, it's a good place to start. It's not that long. Yeah. But there she was. She could have had her own kingdom. She could have walked away from that banquet with her own kingdom. Queen Esther. Sounds like it's got a good ring to it, right? She could have had that. But Esther decided that there were some things in her life worth fighting for. Take the track team, take the chess team, take the job promotion. If it's going to take me away from God, then it, where's your sword at? She said, I don't want the kingdom. She said, I have something in my life worth fighting for. In fact, I believe the Bible says, she said, if I perish, I perish. She was willing to die for something that needed to live. Ha <laughs> ha. Are you ready to die for this word? Parent, are you ready to die to keep your kid in this church? Are you ready to fight? She said, you know what? I got an uncle. She said, I... Uh, there was a man that wanted to kill her uncle. And she said, I don't want that. And she said, I've got to fight. She said, it doesn't matter what you offer me. It doesn't matter the spot. It doesn't matter the promotion. It doesn't matter any of that. I don't care, devil. You may be trying to push me in another direction, but if it takes me away from God, then it's not worth it because this life is just so short. Actually, I believe the word says it's just a vapor and you spend your whole life trying to save and put all kinds of money in your bank account to realize that I've just got a whole eternity with God and you realize if I could have just spent that time fighting for the things that I should have fought for I wish there were some people in this place that would say I'm going to fight would you stand with me I'm going to fight for my walk with God I'm going to fight for my marriage there's marriages in this place and I don't even know anything I'm just being led of the Lord there's marriages in this place that are very very shaky and you're not sure what you're going to do I'm here to tell you you made a vow at the altar it's, it's time for you to fight right now 
I said, it's time for you to fight right now. Fight for something that's worth fighting for. You see, David figured it out. David figured it out. King Saul never figured it out. King Saul couldn't discern what should live and die, but David measured these people and said, you know what? I'm going to figure out right now this block that is in my way, what's going to live and what's going to die. But you know what's crazy about Saul? Here, let me tell you this thing about King Saul. He just couldn't discern what needed to live and die in his life. He, he just couldn't figure that out. And instead of him killing the giant himself, uh, as I said earlier, he sent David to kill the giant, right? Uh, he just couldn't figure it out that, hey, hey man, you got to fight yourself, uh, Young person, you're waiting on your parents to do everything, but you're going to have to learn to fight yourself. You can't always send mommy and daddy to go fight for you, but uh, you're going to have to pull out your sword and maybe start reading your Bible when they don't require you to read your Bible. And going to prayer even when they don't remember that there is prayer because uh, King Saul, you just can't always send David to fight your battles. The Bible says that King Saul spared a man by the name of Agag and Doag. Both of them were Amalekites. He spared them. You know who killed King Saul? The Bible says it was a Amalekite. Because he couldn't decide what needed to live and what needed to die in his life. And the very thing that he let live was the very thing that killed him. We better figure this out, Brother Andrew, what needs to live and what needs to die. Because if we don't, Sister Christy, I'm here to tell you, it's going to come consume us. If you don't start fighting the world, the world's going to get your child. If you don't start fighting for them, the world's going to get it. Satan's got a plan. But I'm wondering, is there somebody say, my kid is worth fighting for? I'm going to tell one last story. and I pray that some people would come to this altar and pray. Many years back, we had an elder here in the church. His name was Brother Johnson, a great man. Pastor was out of town, and I got the call that Brother Johnson wasn't doing very good. And so I went over to the house, and there he was. Hospice was there, and he was struggling for his life. And I remember just standing in the room, and trying to do what I could do and I knew pastor wasn't here and I just wanted him to know that we were there with him and so I just stood in that room and he was having a hard time breathing I still remember like it was yesterday he he'd take big breaths and then it almost like he would go out and then he would come back but every time he came back he would go in Jesus name and then he'd go back out and he would do it again and he just kept doing it time time again and I I realized there's something got stirred up inside of me there he was fighting until his last breath he was as long as there was lungs in that body he was saying in Jesus name and he would go out but as long as the breath was there he woke up and he was calling upon the king of kings and the lord of lords I'm just wondering is there still breath in your lungs Courtney Chavis I just need to know is there still breath in your lungs court I just want to know Jordan Jett is there still breath in your lungs brother Rick is there still breath in your lungs sister Heather is there still breath in your lungs brother Yusuf is there still breath in your lungs then I say breathe Fight! 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 Because it's worth fighting for.
I pray that this altar would be filled right now. I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.